This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. It's almost October. We have to do a countdown because it's like officially the fall. Countdown to the holidays. I love it. <laughs> yes. Spooky sleigh ride. I really, it's spooky sleigh ride, your birthday sleigh ride, the holidays sleigh ride. It's a lot of fun things. There's a lot of sleigh, an actual, a literal sleigh ride <laughs> you could take. <laughs> Uh, sleigh ride to an actual sleigh ride. I, you know, I was thinking about it when I was at Costco, I don't know, maybe in July when they had costumes already and that like freaked me out. And I'm like, that just seems like yesterday. And then here we are. I was walking the dogs earlier today and I'm sure there are some blow up yard aficionados that like know that there are some very cool yard blow up dolls, whatever they called, like big Halloween pumpkins, characters, if you will. The neighbors down the street had like these two huge skeletons. I'm thinking like 12 feet to 14 feet tall, maybe actually maybe up to 20 feet tall. They were very, very tall, huge, two of them in their yard and just had like a really spooky cemetery. I'm like, that is just, I aspire to that and not one year have we done anything like that. However, Scott and I were looking at like the blow up figurines for our yard because one year, almost like every year we look too late and they're always sold out. But they had one that was a hocus pocus one with the three witches. I'm like, that's cute. That I would put in my yard. And then they had the Beetlejuice sand snake. I mean, I'm like, that's that's cute. Good one. Yeah. Our neighbors across the street, I feel like I've talked about this before, have this like 10 foot tall blow up cat black cat and then they also have a santa but the black cat i'll be curious to see how river does because luna hated it oh interesting yeah they're directly across the street from us and it's just like this 10 foot tall black cat just stares into our front window for like four weeks (laughs) well it's funny because now that you bring that up it's really good training for cadet to go buy all of these you know like when we're going to target or costco and then they we go by the halloween decoration section and then inevitably a Halloween decoration goes off and it's like sensor triggered and then it like screams at you or whatever. So it's great training for her. And I was like, oh, great. She didn't react to the one at Costco, but we're walking, we're walking a few days ago and there's a scarecrow in someone's yard, just like a cute little scarecrow. And she just stopped and was just like looking at it and like, backing away a little bit. And I was like, oh, crap, we got to work on this. Like, this is definitely something you're going to need to not react yeah, you to. you got to go find a scarecrow. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, like, had no reaction to like statues. Apparently, it's very common for dogs to react to statues. So like at one of her yeah. puppy training classes, we were walking by statues and like whatever, and they were they did fine. But a scarecrow, it was just like, I know. and it's a friendly looking scarecrow. So we got to work on that. That's a cadet. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was actually thinking of cadet the other day because I Evie and Miles have this remote control Wally that like it means that you can imagine it. It's exactly what it sounds like. And it goes around the house going like wah, 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 you know, making all the Wally sounds. Right. And River was just kind of looking at it and I was like, I should invite Cadet over. Yeah, <laughs> to that'd have be good. Remote training. control Wally driven directly at her. Yeah. It's we try to do everything that we can to expose her to all these like random things. I mean, like the weirdest stuff will kind of trip her up, but it's like once you expose her to it a few times, she's fine. Like the other day we were at Whole Foods and 
she's been to plenty of stores. We go to Target, we go to grocery stores, but for whatever reasons at this Whole Foods, when the doors opened, there were a lot of like carts moving. And you know how the air, that like ventilation system that's right next to the doors that open and close and it just like blows up at you when you walk into a store. And she kind of like reacted to that, not in a bad way, but I could just definitely see her kind of being like, whoa, that was a lot of stimulation. But yeah, I mean, we're on the countdown. So I'm trying to like do everything I can to make sure that she's ready. So, okay, give give the update. (sighs) So the update is, for those of you who don't know, Maybe you're new. I've been raising, Scott and I have been raising a puppy for canine companions for the past 18, 19 months. We volunteer with this organization because I worked with a therapy dog, a facility dog who was trained by canine companions for eight years. He retired and we really wanted to kind of give back and stay connected to this organization. So we have been puppy raising for canine companions, which means they breed their dogs specifically for service, and then they send them out to puppy raisers where the puppy raisers volunteer for a year and a half, up to two years, raising this dog, doing all these commands, classes twice a month, etc., um, trying to get the dog really just kind of exposed to as much stimuli as possible. So we've had Cadet since April of 2020, and She's really been a blessing to have during the pandemic because that's really what all of our life has been throughout this entire pandemic is just focusing on our dogs, which has been great. So she goes off to college. I call it college because people can kind of understand that advanced training in uh, November 12th. And she will be at Oceanside, California, um, which is where JT and I train together. So when I applied to get JT, a very long application process for canine companions. You don't just like sign up and get a dog. It is very, very competitive and selective, I should say, that they really don't just hand these dogs out to anyone because they are worth like $60,000 if you add up all the time and money. So, but you don't pay for them. This is, they give these dogs to people in need free of charge. When I applied to get JT, that was a really long process. I lived on campus for two weeks training with the dogs, training with the best trainers, By the end of it, I knew all the commands and how to handle the dog. They just really set you up for success. So that's where she will be. And she actually will be there also with her sister, Capri. So we've been in touch. We see Capri at some of the puppy classes. And so um, that kind of makes me feel good that she'll be (laughs) training with her sister too. So we'll see at any time, at any time during training, training, she could be sent home, which would mean that she would just be, they call it a change of career. And so instead of the path to being a service dog, she has a change of career and she just goes and lives her life out with us as a pet. Now, if you're a puppy raiser and you've raised multiple dogs, CCI, Kin and Companions, really only allows puppy raisers to have three dogs in their home at one time. So puppy raisers will often continue to puppy raise and puppy raise. And so maybe over seven or eight years, they have, they already have three released dogs, change of career dogs. So at that time, sometimes they will, canine companions will like allow a friend to adopt the dog after they're released, but it's a really selective, very competitive process to get a release dog. So a lot of people kind of joke and like, oh, I'll take a release dog. I'm like, good luck. It's pretty much impossible to get a release dog unless you were very close to a puppy raiser and have like an impeccable track record of having an animal because they are very selective on who gets those dogs. But in any event, we only have JT. 
So I should say only he's the best. But if she's released, then we will get to keep her as a pet for her natural life. So that's kind of the the story. And I think what's happening right now is it's just it's happening so fast where, you know, just yesterday, it was like September 1st. And now it's almost October 1st. And I'm like, Oh, my God, we only the countdown in my mind has started. And so Scott and I are already talking about like, oh my gosh, we're really going to miss how she drinks water. And we're really going to miss how she comes up to you with a toy when you walk in the house. And we're like, all these little things that we're really going to miss about her. But we knew this day was coming and it's going to be very difficult. So we're going to fly out there with her, drop her off on Friday the 12th. Canon Companions does this really great thing where they have like a whole matriculation ceremony where like the dogs go to college and they have this cute little vest on and then dogs that are graduating, they have a graduation ceremony. And Scott and I were going to go to Disneyland. We're kind of rethinking it because it would be on a Saturday. And we're like, do we really want to go to Disneyland on a Saturday? And we also wonder if we just would want to come home after we drop her over. Like, maybe if we just want to go home and like be with JT. Just, like, yeah, you are going to want to go yeah. home with JT. Yeah. So we're rethinking like extending the stay because I don't know if we're going to like have the heart to stay there. I think Scott brought that up yesterday and I was like, I think you're I feel right. Like you guys, you guys should maybe have like one day where you can just go to the beach and eat your feelings and drink your feelings and then go home because knowing yeah. you and especially like the last thing you're going to want and like you should have one day where you can go shopping. <laughs> That's true. And go That's to the true. Beach. And then That's you should true. come home. But yeah. Disneyland, I think, would be... Yeah. When he mentioned that we were on a walk the other day, he's like, you know, that would be Disneyland on a Saturday. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And I don't want to, like, stay till Tuesday, you know? So I want to, like, get home to my pets and CJT and kind of, like, start the healing process. <laughs> like, home without cadet. So we'll see. But... Yeah, it's going to be really hard. And every puppy raiser you talk to, I'll say it over and over again. They're like, it never gets easier. It is very difficult to turn your dog in, but she's just so special. I'm excited. I'm like already excited to get her progress reports because luckily as a puppy raiser, you do get progress reports. So Canine Companion sends you a report every month, like how she's doing, how she's learning her commands, what she needs to work on, so on and so forth. And I know we've covered this in a previous episode, but what happens like once she gets there so you're you're basically teaching her like the absolute basics and then once they get once the dogs get to advanced training that's when they kind of decide what type of service dog they're going to be right so like yes. you haven't been training her specifically for a specific type of service no really what they want puppy raisers to do is expose the dogs to as much as possible so cars taking her on car rides taking her we took her to the mountains, exposed her to wild animals, making sure, you know, we have bunnies running everywhere, making sure she's not chasing bunnies, cars driving by when we're on a walk, loud noises, you know, anything that's really going to desensitize her from anything that would potentially disrupt her work as a service dog is what we're trying to do. And then we have about 40 commands that we taught her. And I believe at college at advanced training she'll learn about 20 more commands that are really just very advanced that a trainer needs to teach her how to do like opening a door turning on and off a light switch retrieving something from the ground and giving it to the the owner so that is something that she will do there but puppy raisers don't know what path they're going to be on She'll either be a service dog for someone with a disability, a PTSD service dog. They do have a hearing program. It's rare 
but dogs may she some small percentage of dogs make it to the hearing program so there's a hearing program that she could become a hearing dog and the skilled companion team which is a child has the service dog but the parent is really the main handler if the child is unable to handle the dog but the ch- the dog is really a service for the child and then facility dog which is what i had which is an animal that works in a medical facility and because we always get this question every time we talk about cadet if people are interested and have been curious about raising a puppy what resources do you point them to what would you say are like the n- top few things that someone should know about raising a service dog like before you start to apply what are they going to look for? What do you need to like? Yeah. I mean, the basics are, do you have a home that's safe for a dog? Do you have crap everywhere that they're going to eat? You know, like it's very basic, but they do have someone come and look at your home to make sure that it's a safe environment, that it's a clean environment, that the dog's going to be well taken care of, um, that you have a fenced yard because they do not allow the dogs to be left alone outside. Um, so you really have to be switch your mindset to being with this dog 24-7. You're not allowed to have a dog door with canine companion animals. They do not allow... It just, again, it, they're looking at you being with this dog as your t- as the top priority. So for them, dog doors mean the dog can just come and go as they please. And these dogs really need to learn to go to the bathroom on command. So I can't let the dog just come and go as they please because then the dog doesn't learn that when you take them out, they have to go to the bathroom. So like things like that. Uh, Fenced yard, I already said, but really a, a place that you can constantly have eyes on the dog. They don't want the dog eating something in the backyard and getting sick. They try to prevent... They also try to protect you as a puppy raiser so that you're not having a dog that gets sick and you have all these vet bills. Because really, unless you have a special circumstance for CCI, you can use some of their funding. You're rely- you're responsible for all costs of the dog while you're raising the puppy. Like that is your contribution. That is what you sign up for. And the time commitment, really. I mean, it is 24-7. And there's like a part of me, the one thing I just try to like look at silver lining, which really we're just going to miss her terribly. But... I really miss sleeping through the night. <laughs> she has never been. <laughs> no, I know all the parents out there are like, welcome to my world. But like, I the whole time we've had her, she is not a good sleeper. She gets up at 2am, 2.30 every night to go to the bathroom, even as a full grown dog. <laughs> like, So I worry about her in college being like, what are you gonna do, kid? You're gonna have to like, but so like things like that. And really just kind of like, having some time to do what we need to do without having to come home within like two hours. Cause we do not leave her in the crate for longer than two to three hours. So like we don't really do much right now without her. And there's a little bit of selfishness within me. That's like, yeah, that'll, that'll kind of free up some time to do some right, things which, without like, her. <laughs> that's by design. And it takes a lot out of, you know, it's, it's yeah. a lifestyle for you. It's totally a lifestyle. So like, it'll be different and a little bit, we'll have a little more flexibility. Like right now when, we rarely go to con- concerts together, like Scott has been going to shows on his own. But if we, like now, if we go to shows, we've been to like one show together. Well, the whole time I was like, we got to get home, got to let Cadet out. Like, <laughs> you know, so I worry about things like that. But I, I would say it's just know that it's a really big commitment, but it's just, it really is so fun and so rewarding. And you meet a lot of great people that want to know about raising a service dog. And of course, it's just like, we hope that she can go on and change someone's life. I mean, if if she fails, she'll still change lives in some way, shape or form because she's just an amazing dog. But we, of course, hope that she passes 
But all my friends and my mom are like, we really hope she fails. Like they say it tongue in cheek. (laughs) My mom really wants her to fail. (laughs) Because my mom is like, of course my mom is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For those of you who don't know, Joy's mom is like just the sweetest, most pure woman on this earth. Yeah. So that's emotionally very hard for her to think about cadet being gone. So anyway, if anyone ever has questions about canine companions, just obviously you can go to their website and check it out and read about how to be a puppy raiser. They really set people up for success as much as possible, but it is a huge time commitment and money commitment. And, you know, I, what I noticed from the community of puppy raisers, because I have a lot of friends who are puppy raisers is there's a lot of people that do it that are like, middle-aged and older so they're either kind of their kids have left the house or they're retired and because it is something that like takes up a lot of your time so obviously like I don't think if I had kids there's no way in heck that I could have done this you know is it is a lot of time and energy I know with us getting river so if if you guys don't know uh, our family got a puppy in March April and sometimes I'm like I look at what you do with cadet and I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't spend nearly that amount of time with river. And I'm like, oh, that's because river is a family pet, not a service animal. And, you know, we don't want her to be to like, we want her to have good manners and be well-trained, but she doesn't have to be able to go into any facility, go in, go on an airplane, you know, be like, right. we aren't relying on her and no one will ever hopefully rely on her <laughs> as an extension of themselves, which really service animals are an extension of, you know, whether they um, are like a tool, you can see them as like a tool that you use or an extension of somebody to help them with a disability that they have. Right. I mean, that's a whole other level of training. And- I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to see. And there's plenty of great stories on canine companions, but just as an example, I mean, this just had everyone in tears because we went to a, uh, and of course, like I'm the recipient of one of these dogs. So I know how amazing, I just know how amazing it feels to get one of these dogs. But I truly, now I really get how much puppy raisers, like what they go through to raise these dogs. And I don't think you could know that unless you actually like raised a dog, but like hindsight, I keep thinking like, I really hope that I like kept in touch enough with the puppy raisers and like, I'm still Facebook friends with them and like, we keep in touch, but I, think back, like, did I do enough to like show the appreciation that I have for them? But so we were at a fundraiser for Canine Companions, and they do this great like presentation of how this dog has helped this uh, one of their recipients. And he's just this cutest eight year old with autism. And he reads this letter about how his dog Nico has helped him be more social and he doesn't get scared to go to school anymore. I mean, like just the most heartwarming, amazing story that he like read to the crowd. And Nico is just like with him the whole time. And and he has this independent, like the, the whole premise for Canon Companions is that people can ha- live independent lives. And I can't think of a better example than this sweet little boy with autism being able to just walk around the whole fundraiser without his parents his parents were there but because he had his dog because he had nico with him he wasn't overstimulated he could rely on the dog to calm him down he had that calming presence next to him 
Going to school is easier for him. Going to social events is easier for him. And just things like that, that you're, I mean, there wasn't like a dry eye in the house after him reading his cute story, but these dogs are amazing. And they truly are trained to be with their human for the purpose of independence. We just really, we don't deserve dogs. We really don't. So I will just say lastly, and I did not mean to spend so much time on canine, canine companions, but I'm also not mad about it is people will often ask, how can I train my dog to be a service dog? And I have previously said this on a lot of episodes. So maybe I'll post those episodes of like, it's not really my recommendation to do it that way. But if you have questions about it, just email me and I'll tell you why, because I don't want to explain it again here. Right. I'll give the the nutshell version without because I don't have a, I don't, I don't have an associated soapbox of this. Yeah. That if your dog is bred to be a service dog from day one, it's still stressful for the dog, but not nearly as stressful. If you try to take a pet and hold them to those standards, it can be overly hard on the dog to the point of being detrimental. Well put. Thank you. Cause I would talk for like 20 minutes <laughs> and there's always exceptions. Of course, there's totally, going to be that totally. one person that's like, well, my dog was a perfect service dog. I'm like, yeah, there's like, always great. exceptions, but as a rule, that's usually just not right. a good idea. Or it's, it's better to start from the beginning and easier and easier on the dog. Okay. So, you know, as we are heading into the fall, oh, I guess I think I can give a quick update on my experience yeah. going to my trade show. So last week, as I mentioned, I was heading to Philadelphia for a trade show. And um, for those of you who don't know, I work in marketing for a large trade show corporation. And it's obviously been like two years since we had our last large trade show. Our last large trade show was our big fall trade show in 2019. Then we had to cancel our spring. We had like the group that I work with, pretty much we have two big shows per year, one in the spring, one in the fall with like a smattering of smaller events throughout the year. And so we held our really big one in twenty fall of 2019. And then our spring 2020 trade show got canceled the night before it was supposed to start. Like we were already set up. We were on site. It was the first week of March and you all the guys know what happened. So this was our first time back in a true like convention center. The company that I work for has put on other trade shows definitely around the world and even a handful already this summer in the U.S., primarily like in um, Vegas. There were some in Florida. I think there was one recently in New York. So it definitely wasn't the first like we knew a lot. And so I think that helped knowing that like that's, you know, we we work for this very, very large corporation that really knows what they're doing, um, really knows how to do the modeling that's required to keep this safe. But you still don't know what you don't know. And all that modeling really is reliant on people following the rules. And as we all know, that is a pain point of humanity in America right now. What? What? <laughs> and I mean, there definitely were a few people who got really mad about the mask thing, but it's like, you know, th- there comes a point, particularly when you're somewhere like a trade show where it's like, listen, there are alternatives to being here. We have a, a, a simultaneous concurrent virtual event going on. That's like the virtual version of this. And, you know, so if you feel that strongly about not wearing a mask, feel free to not come end of sentence. Like you don't have to be here. Period. The end. And even myself working for the trade show organization, they were very clear with us. Like if you are not comfortable for whatever reason, no questions asked, you do not have to go. And so that was really reassuring. Also kind of going in, kind of feeling like at any moment I could pull the ripcord and be like, I don't want to be here. Or even leading up to the event, like the night before I could have gone to my boss and been like, Hey, you know, I just can't shake this feeling of anxiety. I'm not going to go. And he would have been like, okay. 
And so I got there. It was wonderful. I would say that like in the exhibit hall, there was like an 80 to 90% mask compliance rate, which is really good. If you think about a group of people yeah, and you know, at any given time, I just did my best to not stay in any one place for that long, knowing that like typically the X factor is that time of exposure. Philly was great. I had never been there before. I did. People sent me some recommendations. I did go to Reading Terminal, which I feel like next time I go there, I need to have more of like a game plan. Reading Terminal feels like the inside portion of Pike's Place Market, but much smaller. But that's sort of like old school indoor market. And it was very overwhelming. (laughs) I was like, I needed like a game plan before I came oh, here. Oh, I like, see. You needed a plan plan. Yeah. You can't just like wander around and hope for the best. Got it. Like entering Maybe the Maybe before Louvre. a pandemic you could, but like, yeah. And <laughs> so like there was like this donut place that, and it's a lot of Amish food stands and stuff. And so I almost went to the donut place, which was highly recommended, but the line was super long and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I got to see Megan and Joelle. Megan and Joelle. Were wonderful. I love them so much. Megan and Joelle are two listeners who came on our Iceland trip. They came Ugh. to Camp Time Out. They're the best humans. They're yeah, so they great. They live outside of Philly and they were so wonderful. I got so I was supposed to go out to their neck of the woods and take the train and it just like didn't work out. And so they ended up coming into town. I got in their car and they're like, So are tacos okay? And I was like, Are tacos okay? What? Tacos are Do you fantastic. not know me but at all? Right. So it was so wonderful just to see them. And that was also so nice. Like, I mean, like last time when I was at Expo East I got, uh, in 2019, I got to see Laura Lagos. Like, it's so fun for me when I get to see podcast people in real life. Yeah, you get to see people almost every time you go out there. It's I know. So it's so fun. So, and a lot of people that I was working with did that. Like, they used the opportunity to either, you know, show up a couple of days early and stay with some, see some family on the East Coast. Like, it was really a cool opportunity. I think living in Colorado, if you're not from this part of the country, this this probably won't resonate with you, but I could drive like six hours in any given direction and I'm still going to be in Colorado. Well, not <laughs> right, north. If I drive right. like an hour north, I'm in Wyoming. <laughs> you're in Wyoming, yeah. But like everywhere else, like I could drive literally six hours or like five hours west, four hours east and like six hours south. I'm still going to be in Colorado. Yep, yep. And that is not the case in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, <laughs> turns out, and there's trains you can take. Like, oh, so yeah, fun! I love Megan the East like, Coast. I it, really Megan do. was like, "Can you take the train out here?" I was like, "I, I don't know. <laughs> can I? <laughs> we don't have trains. Let's find out." So, um, it just was really fun to, you know, and it's cool to be in like an older city like Philadelphia, um, and just have like that cool old architecture and cool statues. And oh yeah, that's you can like, like feel the history around. Yeah, you. very historic. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was really cool. I mean, it was also interesting because I think there's some, you know, they're just like everywhere. Philadelphia has a lot of the same issues that a lot of big cities are facing. And a big one of those issues is people who are homeless not being able to, you know, the city, It's it sounds like to me, and I don't know very much about this issue, but um, what I kind of gathered was that during COVID, the city felt like the kind of homeless areas were not safe in terms of transmission. And so they really broke up a lot of those more congregated areas. And so there are just a lot more people who are physically just sleeping on the streets kind of in the middle of the day. And that is something I don't spend a lot of time in cities. And so to me, that was just sort of like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it can be easy in my life to forget about the issue. Right. When you don't see it. With. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, I, I can't speak for every state because I haven't been in every state since the pandemic, but I have seen California and of course, downtown Denver and the surrounding 
areas of, of downtown Denver where it's pretty visible of how many more homeless people are, are kind of either sleeping just in the grassy area, like by the Capitol, or they have like tents popped up everywhere. And I know that they were trying to get like a specific area for homeless people to go in Denver. And that kind of caused a stir. I mean, there's just, I don't know the answer to how you start to solve that. But it was just very also visible in California, like people having campsites set up like on the side of the freeway, you know, so it's like really unsafe. And I'm sure the homeless shelters are really overpopulated. But yeah, it's a big problem. It's a really big problem. Yeah. So I think it was just interesting. I I mean, Again, like I love traveling for work and I think I really didn't realize how much I missed it. I knew that I missed it, but I didn't really realize how badly I need that separation between work and home that I really haven't been getting. That's my thing that I really just don't like about working from home is that like I really want and crave that separation between my home life and my work life. And And I've talked about that a lot on the podcast. And so really getting that and being like, yeah, this is my work time. Like I can focus, I can be present, I can, you know, of course I'm still facing my kids at night. And, you know, like there was one incident while I was there where like Evie got, had something going on and I was FaceTiming a screaming toddler from the show floor. But, you know, but I think like there, I really have missed that. And so it was nice to just kind of like have that back in my life. So, and if it did feel safe, it felt good. And I took, they had rapid tests available on site for staff. And so I took a rapid test before I came home, um, took another one when I got home. Um, I was really interested and please correct me someone if I'm wrong. I was under the impression that rapid tests were not that accurate. And it turns out that actually rapid tests are pretty accurate and are more likely to give you a false positive than a false negative. Oh, so chime in. The, yeah, chime so in please, scientists. Chime in, chime in scientists. Um, but that to me felt reassuring. Like I, I was looking it up before I went and this could be wildly inaccurate and, but I did do some fact checking on it, which, you know, I don't like to just sort of spew things that I read on the internet without what? <laughs> factor authentication. I, <laughs> I know I can't, it's amazing. A podcast host who actually doesn't just read things yeah. offline, but <clears throat> the, the very Rogan. like broken down the very, and again, I'm op- I'm very open to this being inaccurate. So please let me know. But the very broken down way I saw it was like, if a thousand people were to take a rapid test and 50 of them were to actually have COVID, you would get 53 positive results. 49 of those people would be accurately identified. One would be a false negative and four would be a false positive. Okay. Those are good numbers. And I was like, I would rather have a false positive. 1000%. And then have to go get a PCR and quarantine and find out that it was negative than the other way around. So all that to say, I felt pretty good about it. And now I'm back. And then I'm going to go to Vegas, which is not my, I hate Vegas actually, but it's fine. And <laughs> I'm going to go to, they have great conference rooms. People are always like, oh, you get to go to like these different cities. That's so cool. And like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. A conference room and a convention center are the same yep. anywhere you go. Like when you have to go for work and you're sitting in a conference center, it's like you might right. as well be you're in, in a convention Hawaii because you're like, you can't really Honestly, go anywhere. Yeah. We have our group that I work for has a big show that happens in Geneva. And Brandon was like, oh my gosh, are you going to get to go to Geneva? And I was like, it's not going to matter. Like, because you're just working the whole time. Because you're just working the whole time. And like, yeah, you can show up a day or two in advance, but if you want to, which of course I would, if I were to to do that, but like a conference room and a convention center are pretty much the same wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, that's my update. I went, I had a great time. I mean, in Vegas, at the end of October. All right. As we go into the fall, another thing we wanted to to touch on is the next season of diet culture BS. 
We got to prepare. We got to prepare. prepare. We got to put our our armor on. We got to prepare our minds. Not prepare our bodies because our bodies are fine the way they are. Bodies are perfect. And, you know, it's only September. And yet I I am already seeing, just like how Costco had Halloween costumes in June, I'm already seeing all these tips. Crap. Yeah. All these, you know, one weird trick for a flat belly tips about like holiday eating and Halloween candy and we're still seeing this BS about the quarantine 15 and name it. Uh-huh. It's out there mm-hmm. and it's going to be ramping up. It's going to be out there. I feel like, you know, diet culture has seasons the same way that like fashion has seasons because it's an industry made to profit off of you and not something that you actually need. Just, you know, if you need to let that sink in for a second, this, I feel like the two busiest seasons are like prior to swimsuit season, which again, swimsuit season, not a real thing. Swimsuit season. Right, right, right. Got to get that bikini body. (laughs) Right. I just, let's just banish the the phrase swimsuit season. Right. Because it's dumb. And I I think I put on a, by the way, I think I put on a swimsuit once this summer. One time I wore a swimsuit one time versus (laughs) winter when I wore a swimsuit like four or five times and go and like when I went to hotels and stayed in a hot tub. So yeah, this, I put on a swimsuit one time. And then the other one is as you lead up to the holidays and we are all given this messaging that like, you better be careful because you are an idiot who can't control yourself around food. And you know, you better start like what's that word? Restricting. Ste- you better start and, stealing yourself now for yeah. your the gorging that's going to take place, you right. idiot. And it's just like it's so demeaning. Yeah, it's like, demeaning. Guys, you and know, you are you can do it. We're smart people. We're smart people, and we will. It's very easy to fall into those traps. And after doing, here's a little crossover for us. If you go listen to the Girls Gone Wad feed, I interviewed Molly Barr who is a licensed counselor and also specializes in intuitive eating. And we talk a lot about this is like how it's nothing is black and white. So we're never going to like win the battle against the diet culture. Like it's always going to be out there. We just have to know where we tend to fall prey to these things. And so just like noticing if you're, there's something on your feed that doesn't sit right with you or makes you question your body or make you feel bad about yourself, like get rid of it. So like right now is maybe the time to just stop following some influencers for a season and like see how you feel. You can always hit follow again, but especially during, they will, oh, trust me, they will be there doing their videos. And I think that that's something that is really important to realize is like, we could sit here and get mad about it all day, but it's never going to go away. So what we can say is educate yourself, be critical of who you're following, build on the (laughs) self-love. Not to sound cheesy, but it's like, love yourself. I also think this has really helped me when I'm facing diet culture is that anytime I hear a phrase that I've always just sort of taken for granted, I have really been stopping and being like, wait a minute, is that true? One of them, a great example is when people use losing weight to be synonymous with either the word improvement or the idea of getting healthy. And I think we even get emails about this where people say, okay, I hear that I shouldn't, you know, that like we don't need to constantly be dieting and, but I need to lose weight to get healthy. So what do I, what, how do I reconcile those things? More and more research is coming out that proves that your weight is not, 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 not directly correlated to your health, that there are 
a million other factors that you can look at outside of your health. And yes, those do include exercise and and changes to your diet to have more whole foods in them, but not with an eye to weight loss. A lot of times when we think about adding exercise or removing processed foods from our diet, we immediately automatically equate those with the goal of weight loss. Yes. And here's the other thing that I learned from Molly Barr is who cares? Like in terms of if you're healthy or not, like why are we constantly focused on health? Now, of course, that sounds like a silly statement, but are we also just tricking ourselves to be like, well, I still want to be healthy. I think we were specifically talking about the whole photo of Lizzo and how people, their idiots were coming out of the woodwork being like, this isn't healthy. And it's like, well, she feels confident in her body and she can define health how she wants it to be. And Molly was like, and who cares? It's none of our business whether or not she's healthy. Like, so we also need to kind of, we like, like, we also need to like, just kind of step away from this whole, like, she's healthy just the way she is. And Molly's also like, and who cares? Like, it's none of our business. It's none of our business. You know, I'm not here to say that, like, you shouldn't want to have a pain-free life. Of course, of course, of course, but be careful. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. But, you know, I think that there's so many other things that you can look at. For example, you know, studies are showing that loneliness is as much of a predictor of like lowering your life expectancy than smoking as smoking is. You know, what got me sick stress working out and eating healthy stress. I know. Yeah, I was. Yeah, joking. like I mean, that's that's what got me sick last year. Totally. And actually, over exercising. So like, it's not all. Just everyone needs to kind of like take a step back and like take the grips off of like the diet and exercise and like take and a holistic view of yeah. your life. And and we know that you guys have heard this, right? Like we know that. that but like for every message that you receive from diet culture, we want to be there to stand firm in the fact that like just question those assumptions, question the assumption that weight loss is synonymous with anything else. Question the assumption that exercising and eating fewer processed foods has to have anything to do with weight loss. Even, you know, like what we often will also hear from people is like, I work out, I eat well, and I just can't lose weight, you know, but like everything else is improving, but I can't lose weight. What am I doing wrong? And it's like, the answer is you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing everything right. There's absolutely, you know, if you're feeling good, if you're doing what, you know, if you are moving your body, if you're eating nourishing foods and you aren't losing weight, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Just yeah. step away from the weight loss yeah, as, as, your, weight loss. as your ultimate Beacon, goal. Ultimate goal, guiding light, guiding principles. Yeah. It's and so hard. I know it's, it's hard. So hard. So, like, and also like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely, you know, we here, at Joanne Claire, rarely speaking, want to ever speak in absolutes. So I'm not saying that there are never any health diagnoses or situations that will not be improved by lowering your body weight. I know that there are, but I think they are few and far between. And I think they are at least fewer and farther between than what we tell ourselves. Well said. I just want to point out something that's also We're just referencing all of our podcasts here, but we're doing the Great British Bake Off on your Marks Gets at Bake Show. And last week, a listener actually wrote in, and we're going to mention this on the next episode too, but I caught this and I was like, ah, Prue, come on. But, you know, even Prue, who is a judge on the show, 
was eating something. She's like, it's worth, the, oh, it's almost worth the calories. And she made some comments. That's comment. her tagline. That's oh, her, really? Like, I haven't it's heard. It's worth the calories. That's her tagline. Oh, I haven't heard her say that on the yeah, show she, before. It's always her. Maybe I blocked it out. Been. And, you know, I think it is one of those things where in the past, it would be easy to just, and not just easy, but what, what everyone has done is sort of like, oh, isn't that a cute tagline? You know, it's like kind of a, and um, it's sort of, because of the age that she comes from, you know, not that she, not like because of her old age, but like because of like the era that yeah, she, the era comes. that she, yeah. But I think it's, you know, I don't want to just like chalk it up to that and be like, oh, it's fine that she says that because like when she, you know, was first getting popular, like that's what we talked about because like it is same as anything problematic. We want to call it out now. And when you know better, you do better. And I do think it's problematic that she will say, oh, it's worth the calories as being like the highest acclaim that she can give. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It just really, that caught my eye too and ear. When I watched that episode, I was like, these are the things that I catch because it's like, oh, that's from diet culture. And I don't want to think about food that way. And I actually don't. I don't ever be like, that's worth the calories. It's like, yeah, it's an ongoing, ongoing thing. Totally. Oh, diet culture. If you want to like send your rants, people listeners out there, we would love to hear a voice memo. I'd love we to hear love if them. you just like need to confess some things and like, get it out of your system, maybe the things that you're either dreading coming up with the holidays, things that you've struggled. And we can like walk us all through it together because rant to us about the person who's going to be at your holiday meal. Yes. Gonna comment about what you're eating. Yeah. And like put it in the burn book. We'll all talk about it. We can keep it anonymous. But like we want this to be a safe place for you to this land. We can get through this together. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, can that I bring us? Can I bring up one thing really quick? I know we're almost okay. done, but okay. I, okay. I so the other day I was jonesing for something kind of comforting on TV, and I couldn't find anything. And all of a sudden, I turned on Twilight. So I was like, "This is kind of a like kind of getting into the fall Halloweeny movie, vampires, whatever." That movie does not age well. Have you watched it recently? Was that movie ever good? <laughs> well. Let's just put it this way. I I guess it didn't like really hit me of like how creepy he is and so he's kind creepy. of a stalker. Yes. And it's Have a you li- listened to shit actually where she co- where she covers Twilight? Yes. And I was just like I had to just call that out again because I was like and by the way, Lindy West shit actually is such a great book cuz she really goes through all the movies. And <laughs> she has this newsletter called Butt News, which at first I was like, why did you call it Butt News? But then every time I, I say it, I'm like, <laughs> Butt News. <laughs> She's the best. She's so funny. And she reviews a different movie, like 90s movie every week. And they're so funny. So this past week, she did The Blair Witch Project. And oh it's hysterical. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to read that. I need to read that. So yeah, I just, I got a kick out of that. And it was like, we were watching it and Scott was doing some work on the computer. So he wasn't really paying attention, but he's in the same room as me watching. Like he was there, it was on TV. And at one point, you know, the scene where they're all playing baseball and, you know, running really fast or whatever. And he looked up and he's like, what the fuck am I watching right now? He's (laughs) like, are they playing baseball? What is, what is going on? And I was like, yeah, this is kind of a weird movie. He's like, I just don't understand. Now that I noticed this, like, Edward's kind of a creeper. 
so creepy. So creepy. It's a creepy, yeah. creepy movie. It's kind of a shame when you see movies that don't age well. You're like, oh, man, they just didn't get yeah. that right. They really didn't. Which, by the way, we were reminded by somebody when we were having that conversation a couple weeks ago about movies that did age well. And I brought up Ghostbusters. Someone was like, you know, if you watch that again, Bill Murray is like kind of not kind of is like pretty problematic. He's a he's perv. Yeah, he's perv. a full on perv in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that and I feel like, oh, my gosh, who? Oh, OK. Total tangent. But someone was I, when I watched Labyrinth on my birthday, someone wrote in and was like, <laughs> that movie was my he was my the the troll king. What was he called? The Goblin King. Sorry. She's like, oh, the Goblin King was my sexual awakening <laughs> as a kid. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know who mine was. But like, not that you knew what that meant, but you definitely had a moment where you were like, huh? <laughs> totally. And yeah. I'm trying to think of who mine was. The only thing that comes to mind would be Top Gun because I was oh, like, yeah. <sighs> The volleyball scene. I just remember being not a teenager. I was definitely preteen, but just like feeling things. <laughs> being being like, like, wow, this is an interesting. Interesting, warm feelings reaction. inside. <laughs> oh, no. But I had to laugh so hard. Whoever that listener was, and I hope you're listening right now, because that made me laugh so hard. She's like, the Goblin King was my sexual awakening. <laughs> so good. Such oh, a no. weird movie. It's such a weird movie. Okay. Super odd. We can end on that. All right, guys. So if you would like, you can support the podcast by going to eat to evolve.com. The discount code is joyclaire 15 And despite the 15, it gets you 20% off your first order. They have so many tasty foods. You can order as much or as little as you want. You can get it delivered every week. You can do a one-off. All their stuff freezes really well. I've been freezing a lot of the stuff that I get and saving it for a rainy day. So when you order from Eat to Evolve, you support the podcast and we are so grateful for you guys. Another great way you can support the podcast is by sharing us with a friend, by leaving a review, by sharing about us on your social media. All of those things really help us. Even just like taking a screenshot of the episode, posting it in your Instagram stories and tagging us, that goes a really long way. So thank you so much to everyone who reaches out every week. Let us know what you think. Go comment on our Instagram posts. Any Anywhere, any place that you can interact with us, that helps us spread the word and get Very much. more people into this community. Thank you. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can go to joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Don't forget about our other two podcasts, Girls Gone Wad and back for the second week this week. We'll be on your marks. Get set. Bake. Bake. <laughs> <laughs> and that is an ep- as a podcast that goes through the Great British Baking Show. Last week was week one. Uh, this week, I will be baking a malt loaf, spoiler alert, to talk about from the technical. And I'm trying to figure out what the heck malt extract is. So <laughs> hopefully by the time you hear this, I will have figured it out. Hit me up. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't sell it at King Supers. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.